Hi there, and welcome to the Wayback Music Machine podcast, the show that takes a lighthearted look at the week that was in rock and roll history. I'm Tony Stewart. I'm Aaron Badgley. And we're going to hit the rock and roll highway in our virtual van. Are you ready for a road trip, my friend? Always ready for a road trip, yes. This is episode 51. So Aaron, everybody's heard of Frank Sinatra and everybody has heard of Elvis, but I'd be willing to bet that not everybody has heard of a guy named Johnny Ray. What do you think? I would agree. Now, mind you, I had a mother that loved him, so I grew up with his music, but you're right. A lot of people haven't heard of this guy. And you know what? For our first part of the virtual road trip here, we're going to talk about Johnny Ray, who a lot of people consider to be the link between Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley. A super interesting guy. And we are going to head to April 25th, 1954 in London, England. So punch it in and let's hit the road. You know, Tony, you mentioned that many people may not remember or know the name Johnny Ray, but they may know the name because he's name-checked in so many songs by Van Morrison, Billy Idol, uh, on and on and on. And uh, Johnny Ray, at this point in 1954, had a number one on the UK singles charts with a song called Such a Night. And I'll put money, uh, very few people remember that song. It's strange, isn't it, that not very many people remember him because he was really popular. He was huge. He was he was massive. And and look at look at the you you put in your notes about the Dexys Midnight Runners song "Come On Eileen," um, and Johnny Ray is actually in the video, right? Yeah. And 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 it's poor old Johnny Ray. Um, was a poor old Johnny Ray sat, sounded sad upon the radio. He moved a million hearts in mono. I yeah. mean, <laughs> what a great line, by the way. He he, but he had a very interesting career if you if you look but in your notes you're saying that elvis was very highly influenced by him he certainly was elvis actually studied uh, johnny ray's mannerisms and if you look like so uh, on this day april 25th right in 1954 he had his number one hit uh on the uk singles chart with such a night take yeah. a li- take a listen to such a night and if you can find video footage uh, watch such a night and then you realize wow you know, Elvis Elvis uh, took a little bit of uh, something out of the playbook from Johnny Ray when he was doing his vocals. It's, it's so uh, interesting. Well, he's kind of like the missing link, as you said, right? Like he's that missing link between the Sinatra and the Elvis, really. I mean, Elvis had a lot of influences in him. We've talked about all the influences Elvis had, but he's, he's one that we didn't talk about, Johnny Ray. No, for sure. And Johnny Ray, you know, uh, you just have to go back a couple of years to him landing in the UK in 1952 and the girls are screaming and they're ripping at his clothing. I mean, it was totally what was happening to Elvis a couple of years later, right? So, Well, and Ringo Starr said at one point that um, there are three singers that the Beatles listened to in their fledgling days, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, and he, he name-checked Johnny Ray. So... There's a lot of people who are kind of influenced by Johnny Ray, but he's just, I mean, you don't hear him on the radio, even on the oldie station. You don't, you don't hear the little white cloud that cried or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, and, and, and I'm telling you, he could give lessons to Morrissey for sad songs. I mean, oh. this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 
And, you know, I'm just going to paint uh, a picture for people because I, I will bet that a lot of people listening right now can't imagine. Um, Johnny Ray uh, dressed like a crooner. You know, imagine him dressed like Sinatra, very slight like Sinatra as well. But he had a little more uh, of the puffy hair uh, for a while. That was Elvis's trademark later on. You know, he was he was the link right in between. But when he sang, um, he moved his arms a lot, you know, got the girls going when he did that stuff. He was a showman, but he was also, what would Johnny Ray have been, 100 pounds soaking wet, do you think? Oh, maybe, 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 yeah. He was slight, slight, slender guy. But he had another interesting characteristic, uh, Tony, and that was that he was deaf in one ear. And very deaf in that one year. Yeah, very deaf. He had to use hearing aids when he was performing. Yeah. And he said that had a real effect on his career too, you know, and and his singing style. But uh, how did he become deaf in that ear? Do you know? Well, I think it was an accident, right? He was a boy scout. And wasn't it that, do you remember, were you part of the scouts when you were a kid? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you remember that game blanket toss? Sure do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, So do I. So were you a boy scout? I was. I was. Cool. Okay. But he injured his uh, ear doing blanket toss. Now, blanket toss, let's just make sure we're talking about the same thing here. That's <laughs> yeah. when a bunch of you hold the blanket and one kid's lying down and you toss them up in the air, right? That's that's what I'm thinking <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. If it was just someone throwing a blanket, I don't think he would have gone deaf. <laughs> uh, no, exactly. But uh, he must have hit his head doing the blanket yeah. toss and uh, lost his hearing. And he... Uh, you know what? It made him a different type of performer, and he was keenly aware of that his whole career. But uh, it's I, I always find it strange now that um, Johnny Ray is not more remembered than he was. And I think it's just that he was so eclipsed by Elvis Presley and rock and roll. Yeah. But he wasn't rock and roll. No. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't put him in the rock and roll category. No, absolutely not. And- but he wasn't a crooner either. No, he was something in in between, right? Yeah, yeah, he was that. Uh, and he, you know, he said that the 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 need for sincerity traces back to when he was a child and lost his hearing. He became withdrawn, and he had an emotional need to develop a relationship to other people. So when you say Tony that he would move his arms, I mean, he was a showman because he wanted to try to connect. He was desperate to connect with other people. Um, but he, it's weird how certain artists and, and folks, when we say he was huge, he was huge. I, I mean, those, those airport landings, and I've seen videos of those, Tony, mm-hmm. where the girls are just screaming as if he's Sinatra or, or, or Elvis, you know? Well, uh, yeah, for sure. And in fact, you were talking about people who've mentioned him in their songs. There's another big one, uh, a gentleman who hopefully we'll get to see sooner rather than later, but Billy Joel. Name drops oh, yeah. Johnny Ray right in the first uh, uh, verse of We Didn't Start the Fire. I forgot about that. Yep. He's That's r- right. Yeah, he's yeah, right yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. line. Yep. And, uh, oh, we're seeing Billy Joel. I'm yes. telling you right now. That's, that's not even a conversation. It's, well, that's it's, right. Two retired guys hitting New York City. It'll be great. <laughs> Lock up your, your daughters and mothers. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I can see that you've uh, still got your post-covid voice going on as i do yeah yeah it's, it's post-covid slash i've had 20 useless meetings today so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were chatting before this recording session about that there is nothing worse than a boring meeting i i will not miss that 
at all. No, no. I, and, and I just, if, if taxpayers knew how much money was being wasted on some of these meetings we have, it's like, oh my <laughs> gosh, it's just brutal, you know? Un- unbelievable. Yeah, but so so he is he is name checked, and I, and you and I grew up at a time when you would have seen Johnny Ray on things like The Love Boat, for example, mm-hmm. or he'd make an appearance on some hacky comedy, or he was still he wasn't big in the seventies by any stretch, but he was popping up on TV shows. Um, he was playing Vegas. He was doing all that stuff. So, but since he's passed away, what year? Nineteen ninety, I think. Um, He's just fallen by the wayside, right? Yeah, everybody just forgot about him. And he was a young guy, right? I mean, he was 63 yeah. when he passed yeah. away. So, but um, yeah. now what did you pick for your uh, billboard charts this week? Well, I thought, you know, we were talking about he's number one in the UK. So what was going on in America and their top five singles? And I'm going to be honest with you. This is, I, I would say I like every single song in the top five because I love, let me stress this, how much I love Doris Day. Uh, <laughs> and number five is Doris Day, Secret Love from the film Calamity Jane, which I just actually, I'm not a big musical guy, but, you know, Doris Day does no wrong in my eyes. Uh, number four is The Four Nights, I Get So Lonely. Oh, I haven't heard that room. song in a long time. It's a good one, wasn't it? I yeah. love that song. Patty Page, uh, Cross Over the Bridge is number three. One of my favorite vocalists of all time. Joe Stafford. Now she's there's another one that seems to not be known these days. Would you agree? Yeah. She was but she was huge in her day. She was massive. Um Make Love to Me. Can you imagine them coming out with a song like that today? That's a pretty racy title. It is, and that's nineteen fifty four. I know. <laughs> and number one, your favorite, get the cardigan out, Perry Como with Want Mr. Relaxation. <laughs> Yeah, Wanted. I, I also remember that song. I mean, well, my grandfather, like I told you, was a big uh, Perry Como fan. Yeah, was he relaxed? Oh yeah, when he listened to Perry, <laughs> when he listened to Perry, he was. You know, he'd pour himself a scotch and and uh, listen to Perry Como and <laughs> nothing better, right? We're gonna get the fire going and <laughs> so that's the top five on Billboard in America uh, in, on September the twenty fifth. 1954 so it was a good chart good chart now for our next uh, stop we're going to head to chicago so we're going across the pond uh, april 28th 1969 so we'll be right back All right, we're in Chicago, which is one of my favorite cities, actually, on April 28th, 1969. Before we get into this story, though, have you been to Chicago before? I I have, and I have a question for you. Okay. This is a very important question. Chicago deep dish or New York thin thin, thin, uh, crust? Oh, man, you know, I I like the crust. I don't know. I'm Italian, so I I like that deep dish crust. Yeah, this is why we're friends, man. Best friends. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) I love Chicago. I've I've only been once, and I'd like to go again. It's a city that um, I just fell in love with it, too. Yeah. It is fantastic. There's so much to do there. It's huge, but it's not New York City huge. But there is just a lot to do, a lot to see. Um, the magnificent mile is is fun to walk along. Um, and the waterfront too is just gorgeous. Yeah, the Navy Pier in Chicago. Yeah, is yeah, a yeah, yeah. Great place to hang out. I agree. I agree. But now, uh, yeah, I love Chicago. 
So we are here talking about the self-titled debut album by a group called the Chicago Transit Authority. A lot of people probably are wondering who who was uh, Chicago Transit Authority, but later on for their second album, they they shortened the name to Chicago. So this is the debut album by Chicago, who were originally called the Chicago Transit Authority. And what a career these guys have had, you know, and they've had various incarnations. Um, but they ushered in that era of horn rock, you know, along with other groups like Earth, Wind and Fire. I mean, an amazing period in rock history, in my opinion. Have you seen the documentary on um, CNN that they did on Chicago just recently? Like I saw it back in February. No, I haven't. Oh, it's so good. It's in, uh, these guys are painfully honest. Oh, I, <laughs> like, can, I can imagine. Painful. But what a wonderful documentary. And I tell you, when you see them performing live, uh, it's jaw-dropping that they reproduce their sound the way they did live with the horns and, and everything. It's fantastic. Well, you know, the interesting thing about these guys is these guys were all like jazz school graduates, the horn players anyway. Uh, so they managed to take that and incorporate it into rock and roll. Now, I think, I mean, I think the Beatles kicked this off Um What's the song I'm thinking of? Uh, with I with, think it's "Got to Get You into My Life." Yeah, "Got to Get You into My Life," right? Which yeah. to me yeah. uh, totally foreshadowed the horn rock period that came a couple of years later, and and I'm sure that all of these guys heard the Beatles do that and realized, hey, we can incorporate this into into rock and roll. Well, in fact, they did, Tony, and that's talked about in the documentary where they talk about the influence of the Beatles and the fact that you know, all of a sudden, the Beatles were mixing in their heads jazz and rock mm-hmm. and well of course and then earth wind and fire did uh didn't they do a cover of that as well in uh, 77 78 didn't what about tower of power when were they they were in the 70s right they were in the 70s as well yeah yeah they were good too though yeah all those groups right yeah tower of power earth mm-hmm. wind and fire um chicago and um now there's really a couple of important periods in chicago's history though um you know, mm-hmm. there's the period in the late 60s up until the late 70s when they had some incredibly popular songs, you know, Saturday in the Park, um, songs like that. And then there's that period after Terry Kath died. Terry Kath was their guitarist and, and uh, died of an accidental uh, gunshot wound, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, play, I, I believe he was playing Russian Roulette. Yeah, that was 1978. So, yeah. and uh, he lost, obviously. But uh, <laughs> Tony, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, folks, that was probably oh in bad taste. But... <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't see that coming. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! <laughs> wow, but two, I am <laughs> good one. Good one. But yeah, he uh, accidentally <laughs> killed himself. He uh, the gun was loaded and. Um, you know that uh, Chicago had to decide what they were going to do, and uh, and whether they were going to move on or not. Because I mean, Terry Kath was was one of the foundational members of that band. I I have a question for you. What did you think of Chicago's? I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Their their pension to call their albums Chicago, Chicago Two, Chicago Three, Chicago Four, with the Roman numerals. What did you think of that? Well, it's very Led Zeppelinish, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's 
<laughs> Touche again. Yes, it is. Yeah, but they went they went high up. I mean, I think they're like in the 30s now, aren't they? Well, they've, they've 37 albums Chicago has yeah. released, which is nuts. But uh, I I'm not a big fan of that. I like the album names better. What about you? I 100 percent with you. Like I thought it was a bit. I'm going to use the word lazy. I mean, it's it's like. Uh, you know, with the Chicago and the, I mean, I didn't mind the Roman numerals, but it, it gets after 20, you're kind of going, what the hell number is this? I can't tell. You yeah, know? But, exactly. Um, now, Mike, I have a question for you. Uh, what do you yeah. think? Um, what do you think of the eighties Chicago when uh, Peter Cetera took over at, on lead vocal duties? I, I liked them. I liked hard to say, I'm sorry. I, uh, I actually like Peter Cetera's voice. Okay. Um, it was middle of the road. And it wasn't. They didn't have the same power as the old Chicago, and and they should have done something like changed their name, because it was very different. Because when you hear the name Chicago, you think Saturday in the Park, or you know, baby. But baby, what a big surprise! But I mean, it's it's it it was very different. But what did you think of it? I didn't mind the music, but I agree that maybe they should have changed the name of the yeah. band or something. I mean, I prefer the stuff from the 70s that's a little me more, too me a too. little more yeah. hard driving um yeah. i just thought some of those songs were astounding uh street fighter you know is that yeah. uh, like what a great song um but yeah i mean uh, it was just a very different sound and uh, that was david foster who was producing them at that time and writing some of the songs with satira that's right david foster had a huge huge influence and, and to, to your point their, their original name was Chicago Transit Authority. Then they changed to Chicago. They could have very easily done a variation of Chicago for after Terry Kath. Hey, do you know why they changed the name to Chicago after Chicago Transit Authority? Well, they were threatened with a lawsuit, I think, because the that's Chicago right, yeah. Transit Authority said, uh, that's us. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you ever been on the Chicago Transit Authority? I have been. Is it what's it, it's the L right in Chicago? Yes. Yeah, I've been yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we took it to Wrigley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Wrigley sure. is something else, eh? Oh, Wrigley is history, man. That's one of the most beautiful stadiums I've ever. Well, you've been in Fenway, though, and I haven't been to Fenway. Well, you know what? I, even though Fenway is the oldest park by one year, it's one year older yeah. than Wrigley is. But Wrigley right, actually yeah. feels more historic because that you know I, you still got yeah. the wooden bleachers and everything. It it feels yeah. really really historic. The first ball game that I saw at Wrigley, I sat uh, right along the third base line. It was fantastic. And and they still have the guys turning the numbers. They don't even have an electronic scoreboard. They still oh, have yeah. the wooden board and the whole thing, right? So yeah, it's amazing. I hope they never change that stadium because it's oh, it's fantastic too. to visit. I agree. I, I we I, I we were there the year the Cubs won the World Series. I wasn't at that game, obviously, but the, that was the year we went. Was when they won the World Series. So very, five years ago. So oh yeah, that's awesome. So Chicago, you know, uh, they released their debut album on April 28th, 1969. But like we said, uh, they've uh, made 37 albums, but they've moved a lot of units, eh? Like uh, just oh in gosh. the U.S. alone, what, 40 million or something? Yeah, and, and you look at some of the accomplishments. I mean, at one point in 1974, all the albums they had released to that point, so they put out seven albums up to 74, every album was in the top 100. Yeah. I mean, they were again. I think we forget how huge Chicago was in the seventies. How influential they were, they were massive. Like I, I, and I think, you know, we talk about this all the time. I don't hear Chicago an awful lot on the oldie stations anymore. Sometimes more American, I do, but not yeah. in Canada. But you know, Chicago has got a another 
little resurgence uh, for the YouTube generation from that Russian band, right? Uh, Leonid and Which you, you, you turned like you, you got me hooked on. Yeah. So they, for anybody who uh, does not know who these guys are, look up Leonid and friends and they are a Chicago cover slash tribute band. And they recreate those songs literally note for note. Um, and you know, the guys from Chicago who are still around have said, yeah, like these guys do Chicago better than we did. You know, it's, it's an <laughs> unbelievable band. Yeah. And, and they look like they're having so much bloody fun. Oh, I, I I've never seen someone smile so much when they're singing a song, <laughs> you know, and you know, what's sad is, uh, right now because of the current situation in Ukraine is one of, uh, Leonid and friends lead singers is Ukrainian. And he's, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's not with a band right now. He can't be, right? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I watched uh, an interview with him the other day. He was uh, doing an interview. He was in his apartment in, in uh, Kiev. Oh, really? Yeah, doing an oh, interview okay. with an American broadcaster, yeah. Can you send me a, what's your, what, if you could send me a link, I'd like to watch that. Was that yeah. on YouTube? Uh, well, I did find it on YouTube, yeah. It was from... Uh, I can't remember the guy who did the interview, but but uh, interesting, you know, because this guy, he's the most level-headed guy, even though what's going on in his country, but uh, so sad. Yeah, heartbreaking. Now, heartbreaking. Now, you did something really interesting for the uh, charts here. This is something you don't often do, right? I think you've only ever no. done it once in the past 50 episodes, but... Uh, you- <laughs> Every fifty episodes, I do it, uh, <laughs> uh, and this is this is ready for you. And I want—I mean, you're 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 the jazz guy, so you you probably know these artists better than I do. Because in fact, a couple of them I never heard of before until I I went on Spotify. I went, oh my gosh, these guys are great! So I did the top five Billboard jazz albums from uh, Chicago, from Chicago, from April twenty eighth, nineteen sixty nine. Uh, number five is. Do you know Eddie Harris? I I do a little bit. I'm not a big time uh, connoisseur of Eddie Harris but I a little bit interesting guy and number number five was the electrifying Eddie Harris number four and this guy's got a couple of albums in the top five West Montgomery do you yeah. know him oh god I love West Montgomery and uh, do you really yeah I love him and uh, Rick and I actually cover uh, three or four of his songs in our set list really yeah oh that's so cool yeah he was a, well, he's a, at number four a tremendous yeah. tremendous guitar player really really influential well what i've heard i really like and number four is the best of number three of course i know aretha franklin i wouldn't put her as jazz but they put her in jazz number three with lady soul the soulful strings is number two do you know them i don't that must be just a a a group that covered jazz tunes right a string group that well they they took rock tunes and tried to make them groovy jazz tunes oh okay yeah Yeah, it's not the best no i'm not always a fan of that stuff well, Groovin' with the Soulful Strings is a number two. And number one is West Montgomery and A Day in the Life. Yeah. Um, Beetle cover. Oh, that's so cool. Nice, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought we were talking about Chicago, which is a combination of jazz and rock. And I thought, well, let's look at the jazz chart, see what was popular in 1969. And it's a pretty interesting chart, I think. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome that you brought that up. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a commercial break. I found an oldie but a goodie from 1954. So we'll be right back after this short commercial break. And you're feeling low and you're moving slow. Get a lift for life, I say. Have a Dr. Pepper in your hand and there'll be no trouble all day. When the storm and strife get a lift for life like you've never had before. Have a Dr. Pepper. 
delicious Dr. Pepper gives you a lift, a lift for life, actually boosts energy fast in two to eight minutes. You see, Dr. Pepper has the sparkle of carbonation plus a real energy bonus. Try one frosty bottle for a real pepper-upper for the lift you need. There's no other drink like it for fast food energy for delightful taste. Remember, you pick up your pep level when you drink Dr. Pepper. Keep a six-bottle carton or a case at home always. Drink Dr. Pepper and get a lift for life. Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pepper. Tony, this is this is one hell of a story. We haven't had a good laugh for a while in a, in, in these stories. And um, well, we we were talking about this. This is in New York City, 1976. And what makes this story funny is that something was premeditated. And I think if it wasn't premeditated, it wouldn't be nearly as funny. And we're talking about a guy who was infamous for his, well, his nickname was Moon the Loon. So we're talking about Keith Moon. Tony, over to you. Yeah, this is a, a hilarious story. because, Well, Keith Moon had a reputation for trashing hotel rooms, didn't he? And uh, But on this day, on April 30th in 1976 in New York City, he uh, hired and paid nine cab drivers to block off both ends of the street that the hotel was on so that he could throw the contents of his hotel room out the window. So he premeditated the whole thing. Like, that is bizarre. There's something very polite about that, though. Yeah, <laughs> excuse that's me, right. sir. That's very British, isn't it? You know? Just, yeah. Excuse me, could you please uh, use your cab and block the streets? <laughs> well, that's right. I guess you just want to make, uh, make sure no one gets hurt when you're throwing that television out the window, right? Very considerate, very considerate. <laughs> uh, what can you say that hasn't what can you say about keith moon that hasn't been said before oh um, my gosh he actually in 76 so in march of 75 i don't know if you know this but he released his only solo album called two sides of the moon which was a flop peaked at 155 on the billboard chart um but featured ringo Starr, pete townsend and even a song written for him by John Lennon oh, called wow. Move Over, Mizell. And uh, it still flopped. It's Sadly, it's a good album. It's not a bad album. Well, and you know, I mean, he was a great, great drummer. Well, he revel- I mean, But you look at who his influences were as a drummer, right, Tony? His, his influences were Gene Krupa and uh, the jazz drummers. He was a... Oh, and oddly enough, Elvis's drummer. Um, oh, DJ Fontana. Yeah, he was big in, big influence on Keith Moon, and he loved the Beach Boys, which is bizarre when you think about it, being Keith Moon. But uh, yeah, he was a phenomenal drummer. Uh, were you a Who fan? Uh, Are you a Who fan? Uh, I am more of a Who fan now than I ever was. I liked yeah. the Who, but I was not a hardcore Who fan. But um, I started getting into them more, you know what, as, as a result of covering them a few times on this show. And uh, mm. I love watching footage of him. He is such an interesting guy behind the drum. He, he holds the sticks so oddly, don't you think? Yeah, and the faces, and he he just looks. Oh, the like, faces! Yeah, like he is having the best time back there, but is so eccentric. Have you ever seen the clip of when they're on the Smothers Brothers? I don't think I have. Oh, and and they just start destroying the instruments at the end. And of course, you know, Tommy used to play the guitar, acoustic guitar, and Townsend just rips it off his neck and just starts smashing it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's quite funny. 
um yeah i'm i i I love the who growing up and i saw the who when they came back with their new drummer after keith moon sadly had passed away um kenny jones became the drummer for most of the 80s and i saw them play maple leaf gardens and um uh scenic stadium and stuff like that so i saw the who about five times i think oh wow that's fantastic yeah good band i mean i love them i love the who I, i i then i kind of lost interest in now i'm back to being a fan again you know yeah well i'm i'm uh, the same i mean i i listened to the who a little bit in high school but uh i really like them now and uh starting to dive into their back catalog now i love this little um note that you added in our show notes here about uh their profits that is hilarious like isn't that incredible so it says here like his his recklessness with money Uh, reduced his profit from the group's 1975 uk tour to 47 pounds 35 so 47 pounds that's all he was able to take away from the 1975 uk tour which was a successful tour Um, sold out sold out but because he had trashed so many hotel rooms and equipment and you name it that that whole that was bizarre just uh, booking cabs, you know, to to close off the street, like just knowing that I am going to be trashing that hotel room tonight, like that's. Do you do you remember we talked about it before? And it wasn't one of his favorite things to do was blow up toilets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We talked about that on an episode, probably fifteen, twenty episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> just a, a march, march even, to the beat of his own drum, eh? <laughs> can you can you imagine getting nine New York cabbies to block off? And, and, and you know it would. And seventy six or what year? Seventy six. Do you know how pissed off the New Yorkers would have been that a street was cordoned off for no reason other than for someone to trash his hotel room? Oh wow! Yeah, no, uh, no doubt. <laughs> what a what a great story. And I, I have to just uh, you, you were you were talking about his drumming. Did you read? So his teacher wrote, his music teacher wrote that Moon has, his music teacher has great ability, but must guard against a tendency to show off. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah. And there was some other language that uh, his teacher gonna, used, yeah. but we're not going to repeat that here. But I was like, I was shocking. I was too. I was like, Whoa. I was like what? <laughs> you're a teacher. You're, can you imagine you're a teacher, Tony, and, and you write that on someone's report card? Oh, well, I wouldn't be a teacher anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't be retiring, that's for sure. No. Um, but he was a hyperactive child. Um, oh, and, for sure. Um, I mean, the teacher on the report card actually referred to him as, as idiotic, which is <laughs> mild. <laughs> Could you picture the teacher? Oh, Keith Moon just blocked off a street to throw stuff out of a window. Yeah, that sounds like Keith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No surprise there. Now, no. well, what did you pick for the charts, though? So I went with the top five uh, album charts in America. I didn't label that, but there's the top five billboard charts. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, Tony, times have changed. Number five is a guy named Johnny Taylor, who I remember. This album I do not, called Eargasm. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> it either. Actually, great title, but I don't remember Great it. title. I just thought, wow. Uh, number four, I think this is an album you own. I a do. Night at the Opera? Yes, yeah. I do. You see, I have a photographic memory of your record collection. I'm so sure. when I help you move, that some of them might find their way into my collection. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, The Eagles, their greatest hits. Number two is an album that as a, a band that you and I are not the hugest fans of, Led Zeppelin. 
but an interesting album called Presence, which is one of their albums that kind of has lost, but no one talks about Presence anymore, no. but I remember it. My brother bought it and he loved it. And number one, just to prove that he was big without the Beatles, Paul McCartney and Wings at number one with Wings at the Speed of Sound, um, which had two number one singles off it, Let Him In and Silly Love Songs. Yeah, big, big album. Huge album. Great album, too, by the way. I, it actually has aged very well. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It is time for us to uh, head back to the virtual present and do our From Memphis to Merseyside moment. And we've got a Canadian connection in there uh, featuring Mr. Elvis Presley. So why don't we head back and we'll talk about that in a moment. So here we are. It's Toronto for this From Memphis to Merseyside moment. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, Elvis Presley rarely left the United States. And in fact, he only played three cities out, outside of the United States. He played Toronto, of course, and he played Vancouver and he played Ottawa. But on April 27th, 1957, he played at Maple Leaf Gardens uh, and his famous gold lame suit he wore that for the last time at that concert. So 1957, Elvis was, was in love the building suit. at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. I love that suit. Yeah, that was iconic, there's, wasn't it? So I have to tell you something. There's a, there's a family connection to this story. Oh. Um, my mom was a huge Elvis fan. And she sent my dad into back then you didn't buy tickets on the phone you had to go in person you had to go to Maple Leaf Gardens buy tickets he was to go to Toronto and buy tickets for Elvis unfortunately my father met up with a few friends and ended up at a tavern got very drunk and didn't get tickets oh no I think that's why my parents got divorced um, she never forgave him she, he brought home flowers chocolates records presents and she just was you know I'm missing Elvis that's so I you know my dad was not, um, wasn't the brightest thing he ever did at that point. But anyways, so that's my family connection. And Elvis, I mean, 1957, this guy is, well, I would say uh, maybe the most popular entertainer in the world by that point. I mean, he was... 100%. 100%. And uh, yeah, only only those three cities, Ottawa. I remember reading an article about the Ottawa show, and uh, he also played in Vancouver. But um, Where did he play in Ottawa, Tony? He played down at... Um, it's the Civic Center or whatever down uh, down oh, in the okay. Glebe there. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's can you do you ever wish you could go back in time and catch one of those shows, like just to see what the, the feel the energy from the stage and see this man in his gold lame. I, I think it would be amazing, and it's just such a uh, foundational time in in rock and roll's early development. I think I would give anything to be able to go back yeah. and, and experience that. Yeah, you and me both. I, I, I'd even like to go I, go back and see him play like, I mean, I know that in the 70s he played Buffalo a few times. You know, it would have been great to go to Buffalo and see him live at the, yeah. at the Shea Arena or whatever it's called, right? So, But you know, this whole Memphis to Merseyside segment that we do, right? This Elvis was the, the first shot in the arm that, that this burgeoning music called rock and roll needed. And then, uh, you know, a few short years later... Uh, the Beatles gave them their second shot in the arm, and, and that's why we do this segment, because we're both huge fans. But uh, great story to hear about Elvis performing outside of the United States for a, a rare change. 
and and the, the and I'm not going to get into it right now. But the reason that he never left continental U.S., like he never performed in England and Europe, is a very sad reason because of his manager, right? That's right. Tom Parker was worried that uh, if he left the United States, he would never be allowed back in. So uh, selfish reasons. Very selfish. That's so sad because I think Elvis, can you, I don't know how things would have been different had he been able to tour the world and I mean I know he's huge in Japan for example and, and what would have happened if you know Elvis live at Budokan you know that kind of stuff so. exactly well imagine the reception in England had Elvis been able to go oh. there and play it would have been incredible it, it would have been insane insane so sad very sad but he did play three shows in Canada so that's kind of cool for us it's great and you know what, Aaron, our road trip is uh, at an end here, but this has been another great one. Uh, this is road trip number 51. And folks, uh, thanks so much for sticking with us. And uh, we're looking forward to doing the next 50 with you. We always appreciate that you allow us into your headphones every week. And um, if there's only one thing that you do, just tell a friend about the show and uh, spread the word. We'd be grateful for that. Yeah. For sure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to our road trip. The music was by Rick Denis. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button in your favorite podcast player. That way you'll be the first to know whenever we release a new episode. How else can people help, Aaron? They can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and check out our website. And if you think we're worth the five stars, please leave us a review. Thanks for hitting the road with us today, and we'll see you again soon.